Look at the adjective. Play. Now is the franchise going to take the Viagra? Oh, going to put the butts in the seat. Hello there, wrestling fans, and welcome to episode number 43 of Because WCW, the podcast where the big boys play. Thank you so much for taking the time and effort to download this episode, wherever you may get your podcasts from. And please do continue to spread the word and I've got to say, I have absolutely loved some of the comments, the positive vibes we've been getting from people on Twitter, telling us how much they enjoy listening to this show. Every comment is appreciated. Every download is appreciated. Thank you ever so much. I am, of course, joined as ever by my esteemed co-host, the sports journalist and all-round good guy, Liam Hatt. Liam, how are you doing, my friend? Hang on a second. Do you mean to tell me there are positive vibes on Twitter? Could you point yes. in the direction of hosts, please? Someone, I forget their name, and I apologise, Who? but someone just sent, well, there was a comment that sticks in my head, just saying, because WCW is a tremendous listen. That was one of them that, that, that sticks in my mind. But we've had a lot of uh, a lot of love, which, yeah, when, when it comes to Twitter, it's, it's quite the achievement. Yeah, but to be fair, our listeners are good eggs. They're good people. They and are. yes, that is confirmation bias, but I don't care. If you listen to <laughs> us, you're great. Indeed. And um, we, we love you, each and every one of you. Please like add... Not like that. Add to the numbers. If you like this show, then please rate us, review us on uh, iTunes, recommend us to people. Um, it's it's all good. But um, but we're back. We've been away for a few weeks uh, due to um, mechanical issues with the podcast and nothing else honest gov. Is that the right thing? I'm, I'm, I'm meant to say that? Well, it's only been a couple of weeks, and considering that my laptop has given us three absences in the two-month ballpark uh, i'm happy with that as much as i'd be ecstatic with podcasting every week obviously it's not that easy and if the gaps never get any bigger than two weeks i'm i'm, I'm all for that yeah no i was i've been i've been away had a had a little break and also had a very of a dodgy throat because mold of the story kids never lie to a nurse at a doctor's surgery i went for my flu jab they said have you been uh, have you been well and i couldn't be bothered to reschedule it during my holiday so i said yeah i've been fine even though i'd actually had a bit of a cold had the flu jab a few hours later felt like shit so the moral of the story don't lie to the nurse yeah i've got all no uh, for you no or, or the um or the doctor taking a piss test but that's an entirely different industry yes and of course, yes. that was that was a friend, wasn't it, Dean? Absolutely, yeah. So uh, yes, but yeah, you've been you've been all good these last few weeks. I've been cold, Dean. Cold. It's very cold. I don't it's, like it. It's not that cold yet. It's cold. I uh, do you wait till this is just autumn. You wait till winter hits. I don't want to. I'll, I'll be the one cold up in a pool wearing five fleece tops. <laughs> I see. Well, you, you need to you need to come to one of my wrestling shows because my goodness me, there's some heat. See what I did there? I I do need to come to one of those. I I am a primo reporter for the indie corner now, so I should definitely oh. swing by. Get some yeah, get especially some IPW uh... or some premiere up on the indie corner website. Yeah, well, it's been a long time since you held abuse at me as a manager at ringside, you know. So uh... I did not hurl abuse at you. I I said your your hair was a joke, your glasses are crooked, <laughs> you talk a load of shit, and please get the fuck out of the building. I I filled you with nothing but praise. I mean, all fair otherwise. points. All fair points to be to be uh, to be fair. But um, yeah, we had a really good show last a uh, couple of Saturdays ago um, on. 
Oh, God, what date was it? October 26th, I think, in uh, in Peacehaven, just down the road from where I grew up. And uh, we had a bit of a challenge because our opponent was carrying a, a quite a bad back injury. So we had to uh, just work this entire match around um, not doing particularly much and not injuring her back. And... Um, the, the match lasted five rounds because Premier still do the old round system. Four bumps in the whole of the match and we had the, the loudest crowd reactions, the biggest heat of everyone. And uh, we're, we're back. If you're, if you're listening to this in the, in the first few days of upload, um, I'm doing another show for Premier Promotions in Hazelmere in Surrey on um, this Saturday, November the 9th. So um, that should be good. Ranging uh, Aisha, um, Amazon Aisha Raymond, who was seen in the original uh, May Young Classic. So, um, so all good there. All good fun. And, of course, yeah, as you said, Liam, IPW, I'm one of the commentators, along with Ricky Slatter. We are back for our last big show of the year, December the 15th, in Maidstone, Undisputed 3. Uh, Rob Sharp and Rob Lynch for the IPW World Title, plus an appearance from NXT UK's Jordan Devlin, which should be fantastic. Listen up, slap nuts. That's right. This is Jeff Jarrett, the chosen one. And you're listening to Because WCW. Now choke on that. But this episode, we are we are watching another Nitro, episode 15 of Monday Nitro, I do believe. That is the one. We are approaching the end of 1995. And I, th- I think I'm, I'm getting your agreement with this, Dean, that... Uh, I think we are very highly on the pass foul scale here. I think we've had, so what, this is episode 15. We've had 14 already done. Maybe well, I think we, we said two were shit. Two were skippable. And 12 episodes were very enjoyable 45-minute time killers. So Yeah, last... Last week's or the last, the last one, we 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 were kind of weren't sure whether it was a, a yay or a nay, but um, yeah, but by and large, these have been, these have been very very good. So if you if you do want to watch along with us on if you're uh, signed into the WWE Network and all that, um, then this is the episode dated December the 11th, 1995, and we have got the thing all queued up and paused on zero 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 zero. So we'll press play very shortly on that. Um, so last week we had, or the last Nitro, we had the the longest Nitro main event so far, didn't we? Between um, it was between Savage and Luger. Luger, wasn't it? Yes. So the new champion, Randy Savage, defended the title against the man who's been the fawn in his side since he returned to WCW in Lex Luger. The intriguing pretty much all-round bad guy, but still good pals with Sting. And that was part of the problem for Hogan, Savage, and Sting in that big argument at the end of the show. And tonight, it's going to be Hogan and Sting on the same side. Interesting. Having opposed one another a few weeks ago on Nitro as well. Yeah, they're they're kind of just uh, going into all combinations of it. It's a bit weird seeing... Uh, people distrust Sting when you've had Hogan walking around in black sand. He doesn't care about anyone. But I am personally willing to overlook that because the Sting-Luger dynamic, as I've mentioned a billion times, is one of my favourite parts. So it's better than what we get on WWE TV. So if we use that low bar. (laughs) Okay, so let's get ready. Are you ready uh, down at your, your end of things, Liam? I am all seti, Betty. Okie doke. So we are going to press play in three, two, one, go. Let's bring out some burning buildings. I've just realised something, Dean. 15 mm-hmm. occasions we've seen a whole street on fire. Not once have we tried to put it out or call the fire brigade. Does that make us bad people? Well, we Don't knew we were bad that. people already. Yeah. yeah. Damn it. But that's okay. We'll just come back in another life as a dung beetle. We are in Charlotte, North Carolina, home of Ric Flair himself. And yet Bischoff says it's the home of NASCAR. It's Flair country, you son of a bitch. He's burying him already. We're three years away from 98 and Bischoff is burying Flair already. 
And I can also confirm that Steve McMichael has been referred to as Mongo and not Mango on the subtitles. So we're not going to get our one of our five a day. No. Disappointing. Oh, he's mentioned he's mentioned Flair now because he is in the main event after all, being in Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, Mongo's auditioning for Greece. Yeah. And so is his dog. Is he? I was going to say, has the dog got a little dog-sized leather jacket on? Oh, the dog's just going to do the well, uh, well, uh, well up bit. <laughs> oh, can Flair trust Arn? Can Sting trust Hogan? Can Hogan trust Sting? So Bobby Heenan is speculating on on how well this team will, will go because yet, as, as we, we just mentioned, Hulk Hogan accidentally smacks Sting in the face. And we've gone straight into action. No intros, no nothing. It's Eddie Guerrero and Mr. JL. I love how they played. The commentary team all played that as if they didn't realise that two wrestlers and a referee had snuck down to the ring. And then they hear the bell. Oh, there's a match behind us. It was if they were looking for a different start of their play, but they kind of painted themselves in a bit of a dopey light. And also, you know, these guys are so unimportant, they don't get an entrance or anything. Nice uh, moonsault off the top rope into the ring by Guerrero. Nice. And a good reaction from this crowd. And as we've seen before, if anyone can get this crowd, a, a cold crowd, into a match on Nitro, it's Eddie Guerrero. It's weird. We also noted he was pretty much the most consistent appearer especially as far as in-ring, because obviously the usual suspects in the main event scene have shown up in some form or another every week. But he's probably had the most matches on Nitro. But over the last couple of weeks, he has had a couple of absences, unless I've got myself below. But I feel like he has he's, he's had his biggest gap from regular in-ring Nitro appearances in recent weeks after pretty much being on almost all the first ten. Mm. And also consider that, you know, at the moment it's only an hour, so there isn't that many matches. So, it's, you know, once we go up to two hours, obviously it doubles your chance of getting on Nitro on, on wrestling a match on there. Yeah, I think he had entries one and two on the charts of longest Nitro match until Savage and Luger went 20 last week. Uh, he clocked in a couple of like eight to ten minutes, which in in, in this one-hour TV show sprint culture is, is a lot because most of them go five or six. Lynn's struggling in that mask. You there? Sorry, I just realised I had my microphone on mute while I was coughing. I forgot to turn it off. Um, I'm not cutting that out either. You're you're going to get no, raked over no. the coals for that. Yeah, I had said that it was th- that that main event went 13 minutes 56 rather than 20 minutes. But if there's one industry I'm not going to criticise someone for exaggerating, it's pro wrestling. Oh my god, you you know what I've done, haven't you? I've remembered what? 20 minutes because that is what they fucking said on commentary, even though it wasn't. That is what happened. <laughs> and I've kind of proven... Oh, man. I've subconsciously... He's drinking... Go on. So he's, he's drinking the nitro Kool-Aid. I have subconsciously <laughs> proven that they do it for a good reason, unfortunately. Oh, Eddie Guerrero has been drop-kicked off the top rope to the floor, right into the guardrails, and directly behind a woman who looks like she's wearing a jumper made out of Rubik's, Rubik's cubes. <laughs> Nice uh, rolling, rolling uh, plancher, rolling senton, whatever you want to call it, from uh, from JL. It's a good job I'm not a commentator as to list moves. Um, there is a story as to why he was JL and not Jerry Lim, but I'm fucked if I can remember it. Which is disappointing because I feel like we stuck it on the last episode. <laughs> that would be the... Uh, I think it went on a bit of a sidetrack. Uh, if you guys listen to our very last episode and like i made the flub on twitter when i say last i mean most recent not final obviously we're right here (laughs) um but if you check out that great episode with brian barrera of wcwworldwide.com 
when we discuss the theme tune he picks at the very end, we make a comparison to Jerry Lynn's situation in WCW. And that's where you can find that story. And it's definitely worth it. I remember that, and that story was from Lynn himself in an interview he gave Power Slam. Maybe with Finn uh-huh. Lyon, who's been in this podcast himself. Maybe with one of the others. Maybe Rob Butch or Greg Lamb, but I'm not sure. Greg Lambert, who also we've had on yes. this. Uh... So we just need to get Big Rob. Yeah. Oh, nice. And Guerrero gets the pinfall with, you know, your typical Guerrero-Malenko reversal, reversal, reversal of a cradle. Yes. But rather than kick out, kick out, kick out, it was, uh, it was a pinfall. I love this generic so, baby face Eddie Guerrero theme as well. We'll get that on one of the episodes. But yeah, that was a classic he, cold opener, wasn't it? Just yeah. two guys doing a nice bit of wrestling, a nice little finish, nothing significant, nothing harmless, but it, it it's a lovely preheat for the crowd. Mm. Preheat that oven, Dino. Beautiful on that replay. Re-reverse. Reverse, reverse, yeah, reverse is a reversal, basically. Yeah. And even at the end there, Jerry Lynn's holding, just che- checking his mask. You're right, he's definitely not comfortable. His timing was off. He he was checking himself running the ropes. He was he, he almost knocked Eddie Guerrero over across body because Guerrero weren't anticipating it that way. He just... He, I've I've seen countless wrestlers talk about peripheral vision in the mask. I'm guessing secondhand, having never wrestled, it must have been similar to that. Oh, it's time for uh, Jimmy Hart and Lex Luger. <laughs> Hart giving Mean Gene some. I love that. Thinks Lex should be the champion. No, let's not go back to Halloween Havoc. Oh. oh. I just saw a little glimpse of the Yeti and I was dreading getting the uh, the spit roast of doom. Sorry, bear hug of the doom. Yet- the Yeti. That was when Jimmy Hart turned on Hoke. Mm-hmm. I... I think Jimmy should have kept talking. It's now Lex talking and <laughs> he's all over himself. Promos has never been his his uh, his strong point. No, he just sounds so awkward. And just one dimensional and mono, monotone. And, yeah. there, there have been a lot of examples in wrestling of guys where if you give them two lines, they can get those two lines out really well. If you get them to monologue, that's where they have to actually remember stuff and keep their flow, and they stop to remember what they're supposed to say. He's a two-line man, if I've ever seen one. Mm-hmm. This is so lost interest already. Yeah, well, I, I'm trying to dig through the crap. I mean, it was hype for the triangle match. We saw that hyped last week. Not much hyped about Starcade. Well, we said about that on the last watch along. It's they they really didn't know how to market Starcade as their top show, at least in the WCW era. Or NWA was a different story until maybe the following year, because Hogan Piper as as tedious as that feud was. It was a it was a big match, at least the first time around. Mm-hmm. So we have now got an advert for Starcade '95 on Wednesday, December the 27th. I'm guessing the weekend is New Year and all that, so they've mm-hmm. done it on a Wednesday, which is unusual. But it used um, to be Wednesdays all the time, didn't they? Until about I thought it was always on a Sunday. '93. That was okay. If you look up old, um, like. Cause they always did um, Survivor Series on Thanksgiving Eve, didn't they? Oh. And there was, I swear that, like, if you look up old dates of old pay-per-views, they fell on, like, Wednesdays and that. And in, like, 93, it started being Sundays. Here comes Disco Inferno. It's him against 
Paul Orndorff, which is going to be an interesting matchup. Two of the greatest entrance themes in the history of ever. And I believe we've had both of them on the show as part of our little yeah. thing we do. If if this is the wonderful, he is Mr. Wonderful music we're thinking of, then yes. See, now I'm wondering with this match, is this going to be the the young guy getting getting uh, a valuable... You know, a valuable lesson in putting a match together from the veteran, or is it going to be? And yes, it is. Yes, it is the music. They call him or, Mr. Wonderful. Sorry. Or is is this going to be the bad-tempered veteran beating the shit out of the newcomer? Only one way to find out, kids. Keep watching Nitro. Yes. I do know that there is a there is a significant moment that is coming for Mr. Orndorff. We can't be too far away from it because we're in December '95. It could be today. Oh, I, it could be next week. But uh, I don't know what this is. I'm gonna I hope to, it's uh, not what I think it what is. Happens. I hope it's not what I think it is because I'm enjoying this theme tune. But yeah, by, by all accounts, he's a. He's a heel. He did he did those daft uh, segments on uh, not on Nitro, obviously, because we've covered that, um, where he got his confidence back, and that's where the theme music came. Which is basically just dusting off the old Mr. Wonderful from before. Pretty wonderful, obviously. It was mm-hmm. not much, not much for change, but essentially just re-emphasizing his character for singles. But it wouldn't last very long. I love the hot pink trunks, though. Should I say that? <laughs> he just hey, looks so Brett, manly in them. If they're good enough for Bret Hart, they're good enough for Mr. Wonderful. It takes a real man to wear a glittery jacket, pink <laughs> underwear, and walk down that to that ring like they are the greatest man on the planet. Bear in mind, this is only a few months removed from him beating the shit out of Vader whilst wearing open-toe sandals, so, you know. I'm kind of hoping he was actually wearing those pink trunks when he beat the shit out of him, but that's probably <laughs> asking too much, isn't it? Yeah. You've you've had your entrance music, you've had your pink trunks, you have to take it too far, don't you? So, Disco's jumped him at the bell here. Yep, Orndorff's still got his jacket on. Oh, and check out those tights on Disco, I like that. Monday Nitro Fever. <laughs> very good Heenan's just talking about Hogan and Sting which to an extent I can understand let's hope they remember there's a match it'll be the second time they've forgotten about the match in the ring <laughs> yeah just talk about the main event because of course when Pooch is not on the screen yeah so, Orndorff hasn't had a chance so far. It's been all Disco Inferno from the jump from the bell. From the bell. And here's one thing i I, I got to be honest. I always appreciated about Disco. You, obviously, he, he would goof around in the ring and he would pose and stuff. If you watch the way he wrestles, though, he would always wrestle like a proper bad guy. He stomps. He uses his forearm. He's roughhousing. Uh, he doesn't do anything that would actually get a positive reaction from the crowd. Mm-hmm. And um, Orndorff's now firing back. A few punches, a few left hands. Good old-fashioned reverse atomic drop. His offense is so 80s, and I don't say that as, a, as an insult. I love it. These two guys are out of here fast. I'll, I'll, I'll find this completely harmless. That's the good oh, thing. He, Go on, sorry. Heenan, Heenan just mentioned in commentary that he used to manage um, Orndorff. I like it. Have a bit of tie-in. Saying what he's like, yeah, what he's like as a person kind of thing. So obviously, Disco's the heel. Is Orndorff, isn't this heel v heel? Is Orndorff surely is a heel it, coming out old, to that music wow. looking at a mirror. That was almost like an all-Japan backdrop driver. I think he just killed One, two, him. Three. And he got his foot yeah, on the rope. Yeah. Yeah, I'm that confused. That must be heel v heel. 
Orndorff pretty much was a heel who played the face against another heel and then put his foot on the rope for the finish. But that that belly-to-back suplex was brutal. Yeah, as I said, uh, was this going to be the veteran beating the shit out of the newcomer? Not so much, but that last move, oh, that was tasty. Well, it was short, so I enjoyed it well, for what it was. And that, that's a good thing about wrestling TV in, in small doses. Is the, Oh, the here we great... go. Replay. Yep. Sorry, replay of, of the moving uh... question. Wow. There goes Disco oh. Spine. He folded no, I've quite seen, I've nicely seen, there. I've seen worse. Than he that. he looked after himself on the landing, and I think Paul. But in live action, that did look brutal. And if he came out of that completely unscathed, that's just a brilliant move by two great wrestlers. Because it you, you watch that first glance for that replay, it's a brutal suplex. Mm. Uh-oh. Time for me, Gene, with the four horsemen in Charlotte, North Carolina. I, I, I think this is what I think it is, unfortunately. I won't spoil it. So, Flair and Anson are dressed to wrestle, obviously, in their four horsemen t-shirts. And Brian Pillman is, uh, is just behind him in street clothes. Hmm. But he's going straight to Pillman, Mean Gene is. Interesting. And so, yeah, he's in the Horseman with Chris Benoit. So we have got the four members of the four Horsemen now, Anderson, Flair, Benoit and Pillman. To be honest, for a second, I was I was assuming that Benoit was actually out there with them, but WWE.com had, like, photoshopped him out. <laughs> Because if they could, without spending countless time and money, I think they would. Oh, they would. We'll just replace him with Stevie Richards. Sorry about the uh, video game joke. Uh, Pillman's taking the piss out of uh, Hogan's black gear. At least someone remembered that that actually happened. Yeah. We don't have the luxury of ripping our black hearts out of our chests because we are the bad guys. Beautiful. This is a man who can deliver a promo. <laughs> you can tell, just, just from Flair's face, you can tell he's enjoying the, basically having a, a good lead-off man. So I've got yeah. video game references to baseball analogies. Well, I'll tell you something. I've been listening to a couple of episodes of Arn Anderson's new podcast that he does with Conrad Thompson. If you haven't heard that, I highly recommend that. To one episode where he's talking about this very period of time. And Conrad asks him you know, about Brian Pillman's loose cannon character. And Arn just says, what do you mean character? <laughs> so that tells you a lot. And now he's berating Paul Waldorf. Mm-hmm. And my heart is sinking. Yeah, he's that was he's it. spilling his guts to Gary Spivey and Dion Warwick. Who's G- Gary Spivey? Gary Spivey. Well, do you know I mentioned those silly skits Orndorff did, but I won't. I didn't <laughs> give any details. That's because it was uh, it was Gary Spivey, an American psychic personality, and they did these goofy oh, right. skits. So, yeah, he's, he's basically... So, kind he's of get, like an American Derek Akora. For, for 1995 WCW standards, Pillman's doing an insider promo, which is obviously fuck mm-hmm. all compared to ECW at the time or anything we've heard oh, since. Here comes Orndorff. Says he respects Rick and Arn. Rick and Arn have cools a... Pillman. Cools Pillman a snotty-nosed little punk. Rick and Arn are trying to stay neutral in this. So they're arguing about the fact that Orndorff could have been a horseman. Arn stepping in.
we're, we're having a bit of a horseman domestic here. Yeah. Orndorff Spieth is with Pillman. Rick and Anna yeah. in the middle at the moment. <laughs> Says he's carrying their bags. And chauffeuring them around. Arn's trying to calm Paul down. Oh, and it's, it's broken down into fisticuffs. And now it just means that they're going to beat the shit out of Orndorff yep. three on one. Where's Wherever Benoit is at this point, I don't know, but Orndorff is now just being ganged up on by the horsemen. And this this is going to be pretty much the end of Paul Orndorff's full-time in-ring career. This ah, right. But... Um... What it, what it is doing as they continue to beat him up on the floor here, it's doing a great job of establishing Pillman as as the fire starter of the Horseman. You've seen so many great TV shows and uh, and films where oh. you have that one character who causes all that crap. Spike Pole Driver oh, on the concrete. Spike, yeah, on the concrete. You don't usually see that, do you? That is that well, is a right off yeah. angle. Because it, it does come yeah. out of the blue, this whole altercation. It's pretty much, no, he, he couldn't go anymore. They gave him like this brief win on TV. Arn doesn't look happy yeah. that he had to do that, but someone attacked the horseman, so he just beat the shit out of him. Pillman's getting in extra digs because he's that much of a prick. Yeah, Mongo on commentary saying he's not moving his arms or legs. I don't like the look of this, and he's comparing it to what he's seen on... Um, what he's seen in American football, NFL. Heen and the Mongo are actually great here. They're really seriously putting insight into the injury. And can you imagine if mm. you had more commentators doing that rather than just doing the, what I hate to call, but people recognise as the Owen Hart voice. Mm. Because as soon as we had that very real tragedy on pay-per-view, every time there was like, you remember when there was like the China injury angle and they'd use the same voice as that and it was... Very, very unnerving. Mm. Mongo and Heenan, and we, we praise Heenan slag off Mongo. They have did a great job there of putting gravitas on the injury angle without going over the top like someone had actually died. Yeah, now Heenan's come out, left his commentary position. He's looking over Orndorff, which figures into when he said that, you know, he used to manage him. So you established that there's a relation. You've already established there's a relationship there. They have fallen out. They have double-crossed each other and what have you. But the man's career is about to end, and he's concerned. Yeah, good, really good character depth. And tying into what I was saying about the the depth of the Horseman Group at this point, if they weren't treated as such a non-entity behind Hogan's whimsy, you had something building there where Pillman was inevitably going to be the one that screwed up the Horseman. Think for a modern comparison. Think Jay White in Chaos in New Japan. Where, where he was an ill fit and he was causing them more harm than good. And then he never, as soon as he got the chance, he stabbed them in the back and joined the Bullet Club to be the leader. And that's why I like to think that Pillman angle should have gone, where inevitably he would have been the downfall of the horseman. Rather than him quietly being uh, written out, you could have done something combustible, something really good there. But it didn't go that way, which is a shame. But, um, yeah, but on commentary, they've speculated that could be the end of Orndorff's career by saying what, again, Mongo talked about American footballers who've suffered similar injuries and never played again. Mm. And uh, Luger is back down to the ring for his match against Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Something... This is not going to be a technical classic. No. Something I wanted to say while Luke was making his entrance was that this is the night of banging WCW entrance music. We've got Lex Luger Slammer. We had Disco Fever. We had Mr. Wonderful. Our digger Eddie Guerrero's music. But now that hot streak has come to a screeching halt with this uh, generic old glory theme that Hacksaw had in WCW. From all accounts, one of the nicest blokes you could meet, Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Yes. 
I know several people who've done tours of the UK with him and everyone, everyone to a man loved the fella. So basically Luger lost last week in a challenge for the world title with Randy Savage. So, so this is kind of like a match. You would presume this is a match to uh, just give him some momentum again. Get, is, get him back on the winning. This is that rehab match, isn't it? Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. I'm sure you've booked, you've been a booker in several promotions, Dean. I'm sure you've booked a rehab match or two in your time. Absolutely. Just something to get, as I said, to get someone's momentum back. Stick a, a bit. S- stick a name with no real long-term value, like a hacksaw in. So it's not a, it's not a jobber, but it's a, it's a, it's a significant win, isn't it? Mm. Or maybe one half so of a far, tag team you could use in that role, I suppose. Yeah. And so far, um, Duggan has jumped Luger from the start, which is a bit similar to the Orndorff match, but Duggan is on top. We've now just cut to see Paul Orndorff. He's been stretched off. He's on on one of those you know, those hard body board things on a gurney with his neck in a brace. He's all strapped up. It's all you know. Everything is everything is uh, looking like a, a serious neck injury there, or, or precautionary treatment at least. So. And it's all naturalistic as well. Like, they didn't eat up loads of TV time by staying on that. The show goes on, obviously. They, in storyline uh, speak, they didn't plan to have a faction jumper guy and put his head on the concrete. And they're dealing with that. They're paying it lip service while the show goes on. It, it all feels very real and nothing's slowing the show down. Yeah, because it happened in the entranceway and not in the ring, you can continue with the match. Now Orndorff's being wheeled. Yeah, Orndorff's being wheeled into the ambulance. But you were you were right about this. It's uh, it's it's a Gotch classic. (laughs) Hopefully, it will be brief. That's a clothesline. That 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 counts as a wrestling move, doesn't it? That's brought us yeah, up to Jimmy, an even one. Jimmy Hart is on the uh, on the apron. Duggan is reached into his trunks and is taping his fist up by the looks of it. Like a good baby face he is. Yeah. And he's been distracted by Jimmy Hart. Luger runs up, elbows him in the back of the head and hoists him into the torture rack. And with that, the match is over with virtually the only offensive move of Luger's ma- in, in Luke, this match for Luger. Um, but hey, at least it was brief. Yes. And they're talking about Masachono, who I presume must be Luger's opponent at Starcade 95. Oh, yeah, that's right. Because for some reason, not only did they decide to put him in the triangle match, that if he wins, he gets another match for the world title. He's going to wrestle it. And I think all of them are in the World Cup. They've, how many guys are on their roster? <laughs> They've got all these Seven. guys like JL and that who'd be perfect for the World Cup portion. But they insist on sticking guys who are already wrestling on the show. They, oh, they're writing TV much better than they're writing pay-per-views at this stage. And here comes Randy Savage wearing an outfit that looks like someone's been sick. Oh, wow. I mean, that's basically, he's a walking migraine, isn't he? It reminds me, his suit reminds me of the opening credits of Saved by the Bell. Which I suppose yes. was the rage at the time. Ah, oh, Kelly Kapowski. Did you, did you see her, like, some of the... Uh, some of the things she's been in as a, as a, like, obviously like a, as a thirty-something. Like I, I really recommend White Collar on Netflix, which is a good show, and it's got Kelly Kapowski as a mid-thirties woman. Excellent. She only gets better looking. That's my opinion, but I stand by it. Yeah, Randy Savage isn't thinking about Tenzan or Lex Luger. He's not thinking about Sting or the Nature Boy. He's thinking about the giant. Oh, seven days from tonight. 
against the Giants. So, yes, next. So, basically, we're being told that next week, Savage is defending the title against the Giants. I bet you that means that that night that uh, Monday Night Raw is uh, is live. Must be. But I tell you what, for the amount of times I've had the giant attack Savage, for the amount of times Bingo. we've seen, <laughs> it's it's <yeah>. live. <laughs> and for the amount of times we've had um, Savage have really good matches against bigger opponents, it, and, and considering the fact that the giant kind of won the title when it got made vacant, and Savage won it from there. All roads points that match. It's a natural. Really, that should have been Starcade. Savage versus the Giant. Mm. Especially considering the fact that Hogan's not going to be on the card. Oh, yeah, because he only did so many pay-per-views a year, didn't he? Savage Giant would have made so much sense. And it could have, it could have drawn. Um, why wasn't it on the uh, pay-per-view, Liam? Because WCW are a bunch of morons. Sorry, I thought I'd try to um, expand it. Oh, I was going to say, you, you got the answer and then you carried on a bit there. It's kind of so here subtext. We go. Yeah. <laughs> We've got t- 25 minutes or so, just under 25 minutes of broadcast time left. And here come the horsemen, Flair and Anson in their full-on wrestling gear now. The T-shirts are off. Arn's jacket is on. Flair's robe is on. Coming out here like they didn't just cripple a man just five minutes ago. <laughs> or maybe... Yeah, they're still they... getting... Yeah. I was going to say, they're still getting cheered because this is horseman country. Yes. There's a lot of shades of grey and a lot of confusion on it and... It really flirts yeah. the fine line between being intriguing characterization and being a bit much. I think if they had if they had a more clear pay per view direction and were leading to certain matches as a as a full stop at the end of every chapter, you'd you'd handle the TV a bit more. But sometimes it can get especially everything we've said about what Starcade's going to be, uh, it can get a bit blurry. Maybe we should cover this soon. I don't know. It's going to be it's an intriguing pay-per-view from what I remember. We, I'm sure there was Eddie Guerrero and Koji Kanemoto as one of the matches. Mm. I seem to remember a match with lots of springboards in it. We don't often cover pay-per-views that run in with the watch-alongs. It's usually a separate thing, but who knows? Maybe we could make an exception. Hmm. Speaking of great theme tunes on this show, here comes Dave Penzer's favourite entrance theme of all time. <laughs> if you're listening to this, honestly, guys, tweet Dave Penzer and ask him, what was your favourite part of Man Called Sting? Why did you love it so much? Sting's hair's getting darker. Hmm. We're well, ways away from that, but so they're now querying the fact that Sting's coming out on his own, not thinking that Hogan just isn't going to want to share the spotlight with anyone and wants his own entrance. Yeah, that would totally be Sting's. Oh, here's out, Hogan. No, that... so Hogan's coming out to Sting's music, and, and he's trying to act like Sting walked out ahead of him. Because, you know, knowing Hogan, he totally wanted to walk out with Sting. Mm. So Hogan's not happy. <laughs> like, the, the stuff between Sting and Hogan over the last few months, has all been, a lot of it we found quite intriguing. And it would all be compelling stuff, if not for the fact that Hogan's just not believable in half of the stuff he does. And, you know, as we've said before, when they shifted and they just had Hogan embrace the fact that he's he's not the most popular guy. As soon as they did that, Sting Hogan was the hottest thing. That's not a coincidence. And all this stuff between them in 95, it has our attention because it's an it's a natural collision course. But with Hogan desperately trying to stand on tiptoes, so he's hypothetically a bit taller than Sting, if you catch my drift. Uh, yeah. It just doesn't come off as well. 
So we're starting off with Sting and Anderson. Sting's got a hole in the crotch of his tights that the cameraman very helpfully <laughs> zoomed in on. Proving that Brazzers has had an influence on wrestling long before they started tweeting WWE. <laughs> and un, un, unsurprisingly, the horsemen are getting the vast majority of the positive reactions from the crowd. Nonetheless, Arn does his classic heel move of winning a very early exchange with one basic move and then celebrating like he won the world title. I never get and bored using, of doing that. Oh, yeah. And using a headlock to smear off some of Sting's face paint. <laughs> Just so good. Is that Hogan sucks, Chant? I hope so. I'm sure it was. They're press even booing from... Sting. <laughs> that press slam got a very mixed reaction. I was going to say, some people were cheering it, some people were booing it. I'd yeah. say 60 40 boos on that Gorilla Press, which is one of Sting's best spots that fans normally eat up with a spoon. Mm. Arn's demanding Hogan in. And in comes you know what's going to happen here. Yeah, he's going to tag him flair. Yeah, Arn's <laughs> calling a timeout. Backs up. And here we go. And the crowd go epic. In just two minutes, Arn just pretty much embodied exactly why people regard him as one of the best, even though he insists on doing the old shucks routine on his podcast. So, Flair with the chop, Hogan with the no-sell. As boring as it got when Hogan beat Flair every time, I never get bored of Flair putting him in a corner, hitting him with a a chop, and it doing nothing. It's just one of those little guilty pleasures I always had, I think. And it's backdrops and corner postings and the Flair flip. There we go. Runs straight into Sting, <laughs> claps his ears. That was a lovely and little yeah, double team, actually. He's in the wrong part of town, and while while Hogan's watching Flair flop around at ringside, Anderson just clipped his knee. Oh, but now Hogan's no selling on as well. So now Anderson getting nailed, clobbered by Hogan. Flair's back in the ring. Hogan's Hogan's still... Oh, he's been... Just as I was about to say, Hogan's still dominating. Flair has just poked him in the eye. That was almost ninja-like, wasn't it? You I, could barely I, see it. I get the feeling that you did a double take like I did. Like, Did, did he actually do that? Did he get in? Did I miss it? Arn's holding the back of Hogan's trunks in the corner so they can't move. Lovely. This is just glorious cheating. Tiny little things that so many tag teams in so many promotions could add to their match tomorrow without actually compromising anything they're already doing and probably get double the reaction. And this is why Arn Anderson in my book is the best tag team wrestler ever because of these little subtle tricks that he could do Mm. that would just make him look intelligent. Don't make his opponents look stupid at all, but just it's those little intangible, those little advantages. And this isn't me embarking on a rant against spot monkeys and saying good old-fashioned wrestling is the best because if you watch, as much as I've enjoyed this NWA power on YouTube so far, you watch them, and, and they're not using these old mm. callbacks. Uh, I mean, for, from their point of view, it's basically similar wrestling to what you see anywhere else, but in a refreshing callback studio setting, and Jim Cornette going over and over again about, oh, how they're big grown men here. So even they are missing a beat. 
which I find hilarious when Jim Cornette embarks on rants about what wrestling should be. They've left all these little touches at the door as well. So it's Sting dominating Flair. Flair, here we go. Flair now begging off. And this is another classic spot between Flair and Sting, isn't it? Begging off. Mm. And Sting showing no mercy at all. Your ten can't punches. You don't see that much anymore either. Good. Fucking hate that spot. <laughs> I love how the timing when... of that, as if people watching it along, you'll notice that as Dean said that, that was when Rick cut off with the atomic drop. Yeah. It couldn't have been more perfectly when... timed. When I was at Hammerlock, Andre Baker, who ran Hammerlock, banned anyone from doing that because he said it looked so it looked so ridiculous. I mean, I don't know. Considering the reaction you get at the crowd for it, and considering the whole babyface hill stuff we talk about, oh, oh lovely, beautiful Flair. Sorry, Sting had Flair in the Scorpion, and Anderson behind the ref's back just snuck in with a beautiful DDT. And now Jimmy Hart and Lex Luger have run to the ringside. Luger has thrown, has pulled um, Hogan off of the apron. And Hogan and Luger are now fighting each other. And Hogan is now in the torture rack at ringside. But this doesn't help Luger's mate Sting, does it? No, he has left his mate Sting in a two-on-one to stick it to someone he has made no bones about. The fact that he doesn't like. So 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 far, this has been great. Oh yeah, this is the this is the great match for the environment that they're in. You know, this is this is the thing about you know with with wrestling, you've got you've got that that intangible factor of of the environment, and here you are in the hometown of Ric Flair, you're in horseman country, you know what the crowd's reactions are going to be like. And this is where WCW in this instance have got this absolutely spot on compared to, for example, how the WWE do things, where Vince McMahon seems to be obsessed with burying people in their hometowns. Mm. Not only that, but considering that, you know, all, all of these guys don't, they're not the sort of guys who go balls to the wall like, I suppose, in this area, you've got the Eddie Guerreros who go at a higher tempo, as good as guys like Flair and Arna Sting are. And obviously, Hogan definitely likes to go at a lower tempo. And they have put together a great match that's really engaged the crowd here without coming out of that comfort zone. They've kept, they've kept to the pace of their slowest member, which would be Hogan. And they've thrown in a bit of storyline intrigue with that Luger cameo. Mm. It's been very intriguing stuff. It's just been such good heel work from Arn and Flair. It just puts yeah, it. I... Most of the stuff you see I... modern day, it puts it to sh- to shame. It's good old-fashioned storytelling you know it's the same thing as what i was doing last week in premiere it's on obviously on a much smaller scale it's telling a story and it's manipulating the crowd's emotions to make them care about what you're doing and they, and funnily enough you do that you get a reaction out of people and now all of all of this they're doing as well working on sting's knee to set up for the figure four leg lock everything that they are doing makes perfect sense and they're they're bending the rules you know, as heels will do, you know. It's 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 perfect. And now Flair is going for the figure four, right in his corner, right near the ropes. Reaches out, gets additional <laughs> leverage from Anderson with the hand as well, so it doesn't even wobble the ropes if you just grab their hand. I just I, I, and I'm saying this without knowing exactly what happens. At the, at the crucial moment, but considering how pro horsemen and anti baby faces the crowd started off, let's see what happens when this hot tag comes. Because if it gets a positive reception, the work by Arlen Flair is it just emphasizes just how good a job they've done. 
Sting is now no-selling the figure four, beating his chest. I've also just spotted there's a man in the front row who looks exactly like me. I think there's some sort of time travelling going on here. See the bloke standing up with a scarf around his neck? Next, Next to him, to him it's yeah. me. Time travel AS warning his future self. Right, the tag has been made, but but the ref didn't see it. Oh, this is this is as old school as it comes. The old tag that the ref didn't see because the heels were mucking around. And the fans on the other side, with the back of their heads facing the hard cam, uh, yeah. are kind of maybe thinking that we're not going to get a positive reception despite their hard work because they're all waving their arms saying, no, you didn't tag in. Get back in your corner. <laughs> get back in your corner, you over-tan I missed that. That's what I'm interpreting sign language to be anyway. Fantastic, yes. Fantastic. And Flair back to kicking that knee and chopping the chest and just... Mm. Well, these two could do a match with their sleep, basically. Mm. Sting, no selling it again. Flair's going up top. Never. Yeah, that'll finished. work, wouldn't it? Yeah. Sting trying to make the tag, but Flair's got hold of his leg. Fantastic. Flair just grapevine Sting's legs, ankles with his ankle, reached out, tagged Anderson, and then Anderson was able to put a boot into Sting to stop him making the tag to Hogan. Not only that, but he got a cheap shot in on Hulk as well. Yes. It's just, it is so simple, but it's beautifully simple. This is what tag team wrestling should be. Do you know what? Anyone... Who is a anyone who's a wrestler should watch this as a tag an example of a tag team match. Tag's been made into Hogan, but it wasn't a hot tag because the heels have taken a beat just got onto him as soon as he got in the ring. Anderson with a spine bust, but fucking Hogan's popped up. What a bastard. Arn's facials and reactions make it worthwhile, but uh, it's weird that they flubbed the hot tag like that. Because they could have done the hot tag, and then they could have done this finish. And, oh man, Hogan with the leg drop, Sting with a stinger splash onto Flair, and Arn, as you knew would happen, Arn takes the pin. And here comes Pillman beating up Sting, and it's suddenly it's now three on two. Yeah, uh, that that finish was a really sour end to because you you could have given Hogan's ego exactly what he wanted there and still brought that match to a great conclusion. Do the hot tag, get the pop that the heel work has been really trying to get out of this crowd that wouldn't otherwise. Now Luger's come down and stopped the Horseman from attacking Sting and told him go and beat the shit out of Hulk instead. So Luger's, yeah, trying to stop Sting from coming to Hogan's rescue is failed in this case. So Luger's now leaving the ring. But yeah, that, that finish just came out of nowhere, didn't it? Yeah. Here comes Savage. Oh, and Sting just nailed oh, Savage. Wow. And not accidentally either, quite nah. deliberately. Now he's regretting it. And here comes Mean Gene. Yeah, I'm not sure. Why did he deliver? I'm not actually sure what the... I'm guessing he's going to explain it to Mean Gene, but... Well, Sting now looks like he's regretting his uh, heat-of-the-moment decision. And more Hogan sucks chance. <laughs> right. Which obviously going to get to the bottom of it. Gareth Keenan investigates. <laughs> There's a man facing the hard cam who's just torn a Hogan banner up and done the four horsemen symbol. And thrown it into the ring. That's brilliant. 
Hogan, why have you got your back to the hard cam, you fucking idiot? Oh, some rubbish being thrown in. Oh, Savage hates Lex Luger. <laughs> That's a good right hook you got, but what's the deal? <laughs> so Sting now explaining... Sting saying it's self-defense. It does feel like they are trying to paint it like the Sting heel turn is where they're going. Because he pretty much looked at him and then just punched him. Also, I don't know if you noticed, but Mean Gene grabbed Savage's arm and he's trying to drag him round to face the hard cam and Savage is having none of it. It's one of the reasons everyone kept employing him because he really did have to... Uh, be the mortar to the bricks in a lot of these situations. Hmm. Hogan's on suspension, which is why he's not at Starcade, apparently. Don't know how that works. Shooting a shitty movie. Savage has said we should all take a chill pill. Obviously, wellness program not in force at this point. They want Sting as an ally. Hogan's... He's got to get past the giant, the big stinky giant. Big, nasty, stinky giant. Hogan's been pretty much the peacekeeper in this one. He has vouched for stinging that he saved me right here tonight, mm. which is true. Savage was in that position before. They are kind of just spinning their wheels in every position of this. Let's stick together is the message. That's true. The trifecta there. There are there are degrees of intrigue in the storyline, but they're also kind of just saying the same things in different roles every week. Yes. Okay, so they're just wrapping. They've got a couple of minutes to wrap things up here, but I I I love that main event. I absolutely love. Apart from the apart from the the, the wanky finish, as we said, but I absolutely love that movie. It was so much fun to watch. Yeah, they they pretty much skipped the entire concept of a hot tag that they had built up to, and I really feel like they would have got the best ratio that they could have possibly got all match in favour of a babyface pop. Uh, maybe not completely in its favour, but the Sting fighting out of the figure four got more cheers and boos for the first time and the way they're carrying on that would have been a big pop for the hot tag and in the end it was Ooh. kind of just like a regular tag Hogan's just walked in and got attacked straight away by Arn and they've gone straight to the spine bust of the no cell and they've forsaken a, a pretty much established tried and tested aspect for something they're working towards all match in favour of nauseating Hogan being Hogan and they could have given cool. Hogan his win over Arn and his no the spine buster after the hot tag. Mm. So that makes absolutely no sense. And that was the, that was a black mark on what was other sort of wise. Honestly, that was one of the better episodes. Yeah, a lot's happening. You know, Orndorff, the angle with Orndorff and the way that was done was really good. Luger getting a bit of momentum back. Eddie Guerrero in a brief TV match. You know, it was, yeah, it was... It moved, you know, it didn't, again, didn't feel anywhere like 45 or this, well, this was, this was 55 minutes. Did not feel like that whatsoever. It felt like they that trimmed was... 10 minutes off, not added 10 minutes. And that's a compliment. That was, yeah. that was great stuff. Um, I don't know, man. It's, it's just that finish, which is such a shame. Uh, no, I, I really enjoyed that. And... I think the other things we say about the the main event storyline in general, it get it, it's 
you know, considering they've just, you, you'd want Sting to just re- realistically, he should get the mic and turn around and say, why are you questioning my shades of grey when you've just spent two months wandering around in black saying you hate everything like you're a My Chemical Romance fan? Yeah, <laughs> just for comparison, because I always like to do this, over on Monday Night Raw, we had a main event of Bret Hart v. Bob Backlund. We also had uh, Arja Kong and Chaparita Asari, which was uh, the Japanese women that had come over for Survivor Series. Plus, we had an Ahmed Johnson squash match and an Owen Hart squash match against a young chap by the name of Jeff Hardy. So um, I think on name value alone, uh, Nitro won it. Um, and I think this was, yeah, this was a very, this was a definitely a very good episode of um, of Nitro. Oh mate, that that'd make a weak episode of Wrestling Challenge or Superstars, let alone Raw. That sounds really mm. bad. But I'm guessing the big guns are coming next week, going by the fact they're running Savage versus Giant. But yes, uh, considering the fact they 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 warmed up the crowd nicely with Guerrero and JL. Uh, they had interesting stuff happening all show. The, the main event was great. It was a great little throwback. As we said, just little things. What what I like most about Flair and Arn's work, they basically do a bunch of tactics and antics that if you were actually, if, if wrestling was real and you were in that match and you were desperate to win, that's probably exactly what you do. Gra- grabbing hold of the trunks at every opportunity, you know. Little things like that, yeah. it probably just come. It's, it's almost method acting. Just think, if I was desperately trying to beat the favourites and I'm willing to cheat as much as possible, like I was Diego Costa or another shithouse footballer, and he got, what would I do? Just glorious shithousery that you pretty much, these days, consider what wrestling's like. You actually do have to watch the football to get good shithousery. Indeed. Indeed, you do. Um, right, we are we are pretty much running out of time as Mean Jeans hold the uh, the the triangle of of Hogan's Sting and and Macho Man. Um, we will be back very soon with either another Nitro Watch Along or another pay per view, whichever comes first. Um, but thank you ever so much for downloading this episode. If you do like us, please rate and review us on um, iTunes and spread the word on Twitter at becausewcw, facebook.com forward slash becausewcw. Uh, we'll be back very soon. So on behalf of my broadcast colleague Liam Hatt, this is a Twisted Genius DNA saying thanks for listening, and I'll see you ringside.